0: Hello, and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Skylar Mead, who's the head baseball coach at Troy University. To support the podcast, all follows, likes, and reviews are appreciated. And now I present to you Skylar Mead. But I just want to ask, you know, to turn back the clock a little bit and ask ask you about your first season as a head coach.
1: Well, I mean, it was definitely a lot of fun, um, yeah. you know, figuring different things out, coming into a place like aside from I mean you could we could go into and I'm sure we'll like culture and different things that you do, like just the actual baseball part, like going into, you know, almost a year ago, like the first game, like mm. so some things were were definitely different, if I'm being honest. Like before the game, like you got a bunch of different people pulling you different ways and this and that. Like even just the you know, first game, you know, the first weekend type stuff that happens everywhere in the country. And our place is no different. We had a lot of fans, a lot of people back, like, so people are pulling you all over. But when it gets to the baseball part, what was kind of crazy is it didn't feel that different. Hmm. I still call pitches. I, so I'm still managing most of the game. Um, You know, yeah, you're in charge if there's a, a, a substitution and things to be made, but I think any coach, it's not that you're second guessing your head coach you work for. I'd worked for four great head coaches before, but like you're always thinking in the game, like, hey, what will we do? What should we do here? What are we going to do here? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're doing this. You, you you, kind of brainstorm all that out if you're a baseball person. So mm-hmm. I don't think some of that was really any different, except I was the one that was, you know, essentially going to the umpire and like, hey, we're going to put this guy in and this guy's going to go in right. Yeah. Hey, we're going to go to this arm for sure. You know, like it wasn't that different. So I had a blast with it. I mean, mm. I tell everyone I'm 18 months into doing it uh, in the head coach role and I have no complaints. It's fun. I love managing all that stuff. Uh, I love managing the game. I love like kind of having to make those, what some would deem tough decisions. I mean, in the end, we're just playing, we're just playing ball. You're just competing. So I yeah. don't think it's necessarily tough. I mean, I think there may be some like impactful moves that have to happen in the course of the game, but mm-hmm. in base, you never know when that important thing's coming. So, it kind of really is just second nature. So we, yeah. we, I think we did a good job our first year. You know, we had some moments where we were really riding high. I mean, we won nine games early in the year, got ranked inside the top 50, you know, swept Louisiana, which had never been done here. We swept Indiana, who's perennially a you know, top third of the big 10 team. Um, mm-hmm. So we got to a spot where we were really good. Lost our Friday guy for a couple of weeks, kind of had to waver. We're just okay. And then we got mm-hmm. rolling again, got to 29 and 14. And, Things were looking good. We were about to face the toughest stretch of our season. And our Friday guy missed a little bit of time again. And we struggled through that at Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Auburn. Uh, You know, you're playing Omaha teams, host teams, Mm -hmm. regional team in that. And so we didn't really perform well with the adversity of missing our best guy. And uh, Mm -hmm. we were just not – versed enough with our depth and, and talent to overcome that and so hopefully we've rectified some of that and recruiting and all that as we go into this year but our guys battled their butts off last year they were fun to watch how they got after it. we had to do a lot of unique things to maybe compete at the level we did but I think we did a pretty darn good job of it
0: now you mentioned injuries and how that can affect a season but I do want to go back to something else you said and it was uh, it was about strategy how you guys or how you personally was strategize for a game did that evolve throughout your first season as a head coach? Did you change the way that you would strategize for a game or just prepare for a game?
1: I, you know, I think I, I think you do have to be intelligent with it, right? Like, I, I can remember even making a pivot in 2021 at South Carolina as a pitching coach. Like, I would try to adjust how I went about my day. Like, you you mm-hmm. sit there and you analyze and you memorize and, and do all these different things. And in the end, like, sometimes you need to make sure, like, your guys – which I know that you need to make sure your guys are in the best spot possible. But like, I would change some of my like times I would lock in and what that would look like. And so to your question, and it's a really good question. Like I think last year, I mean, I still watched video. I was still as prepared as I could be. I still memorized things, mm-hmm. but sometimes it was more like, Hey, I know these things. If a moment comes to it, but let's just make sure we do what we're good at. Let's do what we trained ourselves to do. And just believe in that, and the chips will fall where they fall. Um, So I I think I probably lessened some of the, you know, outrageous, I would call it, like the the football coach film room stuff, right, where you you sit here and you watch thousands of pitches. Like, I mean, you know this, your you're pitcher, like you can throw the same pitch right 20 times, and everyone mm-hmm. says how great you are, and then you throw the same pitch another time, and a guy hits it, and everyone goes, well, he sucks. Why did he miss that? It's like, no, he threw the same pitch, yeah. right? baseball just can can kind of get you like that and mm-hmm. so I think I had to maybe train my brain a little bit too to be okay with that uh, mm-hmm. and know hey I'm prepared we are prepared our yeah. players are prepared now let's just go out here and make sure that we're, we're just gonna compete as good as we can and, and what will happen will happen
0: yeah does that trickle down into your players too do you communicate that same philosophy to them even beginning of the fall it's like okay like we're a process sort of oriented we're uh, group we're going to focus at least on how prepared we are
1: well I, I think our play and it's funny I was just talking to one of our players yesterday he was throwing like a little uh quote rehab bullpen or whatever and and mm-hmm. he's now in his third year he's a smart kid he's obviously he's year two with us but a kid who's like really matured a lot and kind of found like who he is maybe as like a, a pitcher player or whatever mm-hmm. and he was laughing because one thing I think we do a really good job of Uh, And I don't say this like as a pat on the back. It's just anything we do, we do a lot of things that maybe are deemed crazy, like maybe who we pitch or, or how we're going to strategize something or why we value something. But like, Mm. we always, always give data to it. So for example, last time Troy was in a regional, Mm. was 2018. Okay. They were a really good team. They were really good offensively. They got hit by like 89 pitches. Well, we tell our, tell our guys, Hey, if you want to go to regional, you got to be tough here's the standard and we'll show them the numbers of years that they have not been in a regional. And then we'll show them teams that were in regionals that were in non power fives and how their numbers equate to that number. And so mm. when we're saying, Hey, you need to be tough enough to get taken by a pitch, we're showing them what that leads to from a destination perspective. Mm. So i mean, that's just one like finite example, but yeah, anything that goes on in our program, we, we want to give them validation. So, cause I do think that shows the preparation that we put in, uh as coaches and then as the players when they know that we're going to cover every single stone to find out what's going to give us an edge and then they are bought in as our guys are to what what we ask of them culturally and stuff
2: Mm -hmm. then
1: i think it just leads to a perfect meshing um where you can feel good about you know hey we're in a good spot we're going to go out here and we're as ready as we can be
0: that's interesting you say that like the data helps kind of justify the the exercise or the, you know, the thing that you're doing. Have you found that to be the case, uh, you know, at your previous stops as well when specifically just working with pitchers? Like, have you relied on data ever since kind of the inception of, of data being such like a influential part of the game now?
1: I I think you, I do think you have to, it's kind of unique if you look at my timing of my career a little bit. So like 15 to 17 at Michigan state. Okay. Mm -hmm. There was, like you're starting to get more data and stuff, but there was not like track man was not in college baseball. Right. Synergy yeah. came in. Right. I'd never forget Spencer Allen, who was the head coach at Northwestern. Like, Hey, this company that's in basketball, we're going to get into, why don't you guys. And we were like the second or third team to get in. Now everyone has synergy. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I think that might be a nice edge for us to have in our preparation. Cause I love that part. Mm. Um, but as I went to South Carolina in the, you know, in January of eighteen, TrackMan literally three weeks after I get there, TrackMan's being put in. But we didn't know what we were doing with TrackMan. We were just looking at like a CSV file that meant nothing to us. And then we were like, yeah. "Well, he has high spin, he's good. He has low spin, he's I guess he's not." Like that was like the yeah. generic like thought process, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, which oh, yeah. is we all know now that's not necessarily the case. It can be part of it, most certainly, mm-hmm. but it's not everything. And so I think. But where I would say for me, it was unique when you get to South Carolina and you have so many high level players mm. who potentially turn down money to come to school, they all have advisors, they have other people in their ear, sometimes you have to be a little bit more prepared with things that you do rather than, mm. hey man, I would, why don't we tinker with this? And I never, as a coach, I try to never just flippantly do things. I do always have a reason, but, but yeah. what I found now you have more guys that want that reason and they want maybe the analytics or the numerical reasons as to why you do it. Right? Yes. So um hey, I don't think you should throw a four seam fastball. Why?
3: Why, yeah. Oh, well, here,
1: let me show you why. Well, on your four seam in the last two outings, you've been 93 and it's spinning at like 85% efficiency and this is the rotation on it and they're hitting 452 on you when we've thrown two seams. Your velocity has been two and a half miles an hour harder. The efficiency is 97% and they're hitting 130. I like that guy (laughs) over there, right? And I know sometimes it can come off as sarcasm, but I think that's how you have to at times validate, or you do have guys who are very versed in it now. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I don't know for yourself, just how versed maybe you are as a a pitcher, right? Mm -hmm. You probably had teammates who really get it. And then you have guys that think they get it and they don't. And I'm not sitting here telling you I'm, you know, some analytics guru because I'm not, but I can take the stuff and sift through it. And a lot of times it validates what our eyes have told us forever, mm. but you need to use the data to validate it to the player. Because yeah. I don't know if players have changed. I don't, I don't get it. I'm going to ask
0: about that because yeah, I've I, I've been told that by a coach that they've, they've started to see a lot more players just need to have the answer of why they're doing something in order to be bought into the actual activity itself.
1: I think that can be, I think, I don't think that statement's out of bounds. I I don't, but I'm not going to say it's everyone.
0: No, nah. um, Yeah. You can't say it's everyone.
1: Y- you know, it, it's, I think that there are certainly a portion or clientele of guys that do need that. I think that's very true. And that probably was not the case, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, you know, I've finished playing, at Louisville, one oh seven, so sixteen years ago, like we weren't worried about that. Once in a while, we're like, "Hey, how hard did I throw?" Well,
2: well,
1: I hit what? Oh, cool, okay. Nice. But like, yeah, that was about it, right? Like, it wasn't like, "Hey, man, the I had twenty six hundred revolutions on my breaking ball, and I was had it on a three o'clock axis." Like, we didn't. Okay, I'm like, whatever. Like, you know,
2: yeah, we
1: didn't know that that didn't exist. So, I do think there's a portion of it um, that comes in, and maybe they're a bit maybe skeptical of things but I think if you're a good communicator and you're real with guys and then you, you have information to back up why you do it. And then, Hey, I'm not going to lie. I think sometimes you need to be real with them and go, Hey man, I don't have a a exact reason, but we're not performing at a level. Why don't we try this? And let's just kind of, then let's see what it does to our results Mm -hmm. to our data and to just our overall feel. Right. Like you have to do that too. I'm doing that with a guy right now. We're Mm -hmm. having to tinker his arm and, well, uh, well, how come? Because I, I think you just, uh, you need to provide something. Well, but I I know, I'm just telling you, this is r- my professional opinion. This is what I think. I don't have a a tangible thing to put to it, but my experience tells me that we should tinker with something. And so sometimes I think if yeah. you're at least honest and say, hey, this is why <laughs> I don't have, I don't have <laughs> the greatest of the answer. At least somebody can, can go, okay, all right, all right, let's try it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no more coachable of a player than a player who's struggling and trying to find answers, right? I mean, I, I know um, like here at Tulane, we've got like a pitcher who was struggling in the fall and you can you can see how they deal with failure and that's a huge characteristic kind of like indicator because um, at first it was like, you know, I don't really want to change, but then once they're right. kind of open to the idea of change, it just completely al- alters the way that they like, approach the actual like activity of pitching and you can see once they start getting some results by the change it's like oh okay top that with confidence and it's like oh they're a whole new pitcher and it's like yeah why would we not experiment now i I, so since you don't know i've always been that guy who's like a little over analytical a little overthinker. i might look into the numbers too much when i don't need to but I also, I think it's a benefit to be a bit of an experimenter, you know, to try new things, you know, and try to always be improving. That's kind of the way I justify it. So for your pitchers, at least, like, do you kind of follow that same suit where it's like some guys, like you just, they need to like experiment with something a little bit more because frankly it's lacking uh, just by the sheer numbers of it in terms of like the success that it's having.
1: No, that's a great question. It's funny. I was like on my desk here. I'm sure like I keep, I keep this uh, chart that we have running, right? It's like their um, whiff rate on all their pitches, Mm -hmm. their success. And so what we try to make sure we do is, hey, I I need you. I know you may be an experiment guy, okay? Mm. But you do, if you do one thing great, you need to know what that is and you cannot lose that. If you do two things great, even better. If you do three, you're awesome, right? Like, but (laughs) You're the guy. Right. But, and this can happen. Okay. Let's say I do three things. Great. I'm a lead, I'm a high level starter. I'm dominant. I'm a future professional. Well, if you start obsessing about number four, is -hmm. that going to take away from three, which takes away from two and eventually spills into one because one's good Mm -hmm. because of three, right? It can be a slippery slope. And so I think that's Mm -hmm. where your gut has, I do think gut comes into that. I deal with this. We have one of our We have one arm who's incredibly talented, physical, smart kid, great worker. And he's a, he's um, a bit of a tinker. And like the biggest thing you got to promote to him is like how, dude, what you did, you cannot do it better. Well, yeah, but Mm. I can't. No, you can't. You (laughs) threw this pitch, 96 (laughs) miles an hour, arm side run, front door, the guy, you don't, you should walk off the field. Your head should be this big. Like you should be excited you can't, don't try to do it better. You don't need to throw 96.5. You don't yeah. need to have two more inches of horizontal. Like what you did was the greatest thing I've ever seen you do. Just do that, right? Hmm. And so, but being able to evolve, I think right when you were asking, I, I always think of this uh, thing that I tell our pitchers and I'd and be curious if you, if you knew this. So I always talk about how, like if you want to really be a big leaguer, like there is, I cannot find a big leaguer who stayed the same in what they do in their career, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a guy that's there for two years. I'm talking about an extended big leaguer and a yeah. pitcher. You look at like Roger Clemens, okay, who in a 10 year 86 to 96 both had a 20 strikeout game, right? Mm-hmm. When he struck out 20 in the 80s, it was 20 of the strikeouts were on fastballs. It was like, I think it was 12 on fastball, eight on curveballs, okay? When he struck out 20 in 96, it was on I think 12, or excuse me, on 10 fastballs and 10 splitters. Hmm. And so I, I tell people all the time, so if it's Roger Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, yeah, and he totally wiped the pitch from his arsenal, developed new pitches, developed a new way to use it, but you can't try to adjust something? Your breaking ball is so good yeah. that you wouldn't tinker with it, right? Like Verlander, look at Verlander what he's doing with his delivery and how good he's become. Does mm-hmm. he do things the same? No. Kershaw, he was known for the big whammer, right? Early in his career. That's all I mm-hmm. talked about the Kershaw 12, yep. six. And then you watch Kershaw one day in like 15, 16, and you go, that's weird. He throws like five of those a game. What's this little 88, 89 thing that he keeps. Throw? Oh yeah. He's throwing a power slider mm-hmm. like 55% of the time. Yeah. And let's go, let's go even on Kershaw. Kershaw's mm-hmm. never thrown a change up in a big league game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so when people say, Well, coach, I have to have a change up per se. Now, I, I like change ups. I'm like you, I'm a lefty. Like I yeah. we, you gotta have it, right? But then I go, Well, who says you have to? What if you have yeah. a fastball, a little cutter slider, a 12 6? Do you have to? Sonny Gray really rarely throws changeups. He throws a fastball and a breaking ball. He wins. Yeah. Like so I think identifying what you're capable of, what you're capable of, what you can aspire to do, but what you really are going to do right now to win. But then if they're going to be a guy that plays longer, what do you have to improve on those things to become that level of, of pitcher or player that you want to be? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's fun. I think in the end, though, like, and it's what we're doing, it's probably what allows you to be successful in, in this world, right? Like on a on a podcast. But it probably mm. helps you in baseball, my early gut take is you're a good communicator mm. so if you're a good communicator, a lot of times you can sift through that stuff and get to a better like end whereas if you're not good at communicating sometimes and you just check the box like I don't think you ever fully tap into your potential because you don't you don't really get to yin and yang all of those things that we're talking about together.
0: you know you brought up like that uh, sort of concept of what got you there won't get you to the next place. Like that's a, that's a very interesting concept. I've kind of had to do that in my first year of pro ball, actually considering uh, you at, you were not at Troy when I faced you guys in 2021, but four pitch mix guy throwing a tons of cutters and two seams. And, you know, I get to pro ball in second week of uh, the season, first full season, throwing my cutter, gets hit around a little for like, I don't know, a few base hits, a few singles. And, you know, as like, as soon as that game ends, I think maybe even the next day, it was like, hey, like that cutter is just not doing it. And I'm thinking like, this is the pitch that like, took me from, you know, here to here that got me now to here. So I'm like, really? Like, that's the one, that's, that's my baby. Like, I can't give that up. Right. And they're like, look, like it's not doing it for you. But like, if you just modify it a little bit and kind of change it around, like it could be a really good pitch now you flash forward a few months and you know I instead of just like changing it I actually just completely threw it away and then I went back and started messing with it and then you know do a little bit of work with it and now it's like it's my go-to pitch again but it's not the cutter it's a slider now now it's like a sweepy slider it's the same idea but it's like okay you just kind of had to like rework it and evolve in a way in terms of like who you are as a pitcher which is also tough because when you're doing it on your own, now I wasn't doing it on my own, but I'm just speaking for someone who's like a listener and they don't have someone like you or for me, you know, my coordinators, my coaches to collaborate with. It can be really hard. There's no communication. It's kind of just one way. You're just kind of talking to yourself the whole time. So I guess my question would be, if you don't really have like that, that person to like communicate with, maybe you're not at a school like Troy, right? Where you have a pitching coach who knows about this stuff. I mean, what would be the ideal way to really go about this?
1: That's a that's a really good question. I mean, I think, and I don't, you know it's funny. I and I don't know if you have a favorite, you know, big league guy. I know you're in that, you know, you're in the world aspiring to do that. Like, yeah, I do. I do think it's odd that a lot of guys don't maybe watch the game as much. They watch snippets of games, right? Yeah, yeah. So they don't kind of sit there and go, "Hey, I'm going to watch." I'm going to go watch how this guy goes about a game. How does Max Fried go through a game? Like, what does he actually do? How does he avoid the home runs? How does he avoid the big innings? What, mm. what does he go to more often than not in a jam? What is he doing different righty to lefty? Does he really throw his fastball up? Is he intending to throw his fastball up? Is that intentional cut on? Like you could go down so many layers of it. Yeah. So I think if I were advising, I would tell people to watch the best, like what they do. Yeah. and how they get to their result it, it, it's, it's kind of like the old thing on like you know if you if you want a kid to be like good at shooting a basketball right like to just
2: mm-hmm.
1: now we could debate how big and how old they need to be when they shoot a full-size but my point is dude just go watch someone shoot a basketball and like emulate that
0: yeah right? that's what I did I,
1: yeah like <laughs> that's I, what I did you can kid. do that I think yeah. you can figure out how to, you know, me as a lefty, like have your elbow tucked, fingers behind the ball, fingers down at the, like you can kind of figure it out by watching. Mm. Now pitching can be a little bit different. You have to lock in more because there's a lot going on, especially at the rate of speed things happen now, right? Like guy throws a pitch at 97, then they throw something at 93. And you're like, what was that? Yeah. Was that a cutter? Was that a slide? Like, is it Degrom throwing a 95 slider? Like, yeah. you, so, and and there's of course a talent, gap for anybody when you're trying to maybe be a young kid to watch that but I think seeing how the body moves seeing you know the timing of things with their delivery I even just even and I something I always like watching the guy a pitcher in the big leagues front side like Mm. there's nobody with a sloppy front side yes yeah, some of them are like Straussberg up here some of them are you know like the old tom glavin where they're closed off you know some of them are like cliff lee where they're here right but like they all engage their front side somehow they don't just mm-hmm. let it flippantly fly away And so yeah i would i would advise if someone didn't have that to watch the game and then you know now this one's obviously tough to do but sometimes you watch games with really good announcers and you listen to what they talk about. When I was, Mm. when I'm young, I was a Cubs guy, right? So WGN we had Steve stone. Steve stone was the most amazing guy ever. It, it, heck it ended up being why players hated him, which is whatever, but they would, he would, I remember Alfonso Soriano, he would do this all the time. Guy would throw a pitch it'd be like, Oh, one. And he'd go, Hmm. Yeah. This isn't going to be good. This gonna be two sliders in the dirt, and we're gonna probably end this inning. Like he would predict. Oh, but He wow. would like look, and he wasn't being rude. He just knew what was gonna happen because he yeah. watched the game, mm. right? He watched the game. He knew what that guy's arsenal was. He knew what that hitter's, in that case, a Soriano. He knew what his struggle was going to be. And so, mm-hmm. I think if you find some people who are intelligent, you do kind of listen to their little, you know, given them nuance of the game. It could be helpful, but. I mean, it, baseball can be a tough game to do totally on your own, you know, yeah. you're, you're hundred percent right. Like, I think it's maybe above all sports, it's probably the one that needs the most collaboration just because it's so unique and, and, and what yeah. makes a person successful.
0: Well, you talk about watching the game. I mean, yeah, I watched the game as a kid all the time. And I think you're like, what you're talking about with the intent behind watching a game that can also like build intelligence. Like you said, like, you know, finding intelligent, you know, announcers, that's like, that might be tough to do, you know, someone who understands the game to that level, but even just watching and just kind of like asking questions, like why did they do that? As simple as that. It's like, okay. Like if you can try and figure that out and then you do, it's like, boom, you just learned something just by watching with a little bit of curiosity. Now I want to ask, is that something you look for in players that you're recruiting?
1: i I think I definitely think you want guys who are driven. Uh, mm-hmm. i I mean, heck i I've said this to our guys before. If every guy coming in our building is not aspiring to be a big leaguer, we have recruited the wrong person. Mm-hmm. right? They should think that that is the only thing in the world in their world that is going to matter. That does not mean they don't need to go to class and don't focus on their academics and stuff like that, but they're they're number one needs to be that. We were recruiting a kid this fall who is a talented kid, a big kid. And I remember I asked him the question, so if baseball were not in the picture,
2: Mm. what
1: what do you think you'd want to do? And the kid would not answer the question. I asked it three times. He said, there is no option B. This Mm. is option one. He goes, I'm going to get good grades. I'm smart. I work hard, but I don't want to talk about it until I have to. This is it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And I love that. I lo- I was like, okay, I, no, I was just kind of curious. I actually wasn't, it wasn't coach speak. I was just like, what do you like? You know, but yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I very much appreciated that was the mindset. And so, yeah, I, I, I do think you need guys that, you know, it's, it's not to put too much on it, but it's like life or death for them to be that, that caliber of player. And if if that mm-hmm. is the case, I think a lot of times they, of course, they're more you know locked in on attention to detail they're going to work harder in the weight room they're going to they're going to have more intent all of their you know actions that that coincide with baseball whatever they are positionally so um yeah I think you try to look at that I mean it can be can it be hard to to know for sure if you're getting the coach I work so hard I, I mean I do think sometimes you can tell right it's it's like the old guy weighs 150 pounds and he's telling you how hard it is to put on weight you're like hey man (laughs) i i I get it yeah but you know and we tell guys this all the time this is no disrespect to any high school kid in the country but like and you know you went through in college i went through in college i watch it now every year oh coach i'm ready i've worked out so hard that's the first guy throwing up the first workout as a team it's just different (laughs) it's just different it's harder it's more detailed you're moving more weight the music's louder. Probably you got more alphas around you. You were the one alpha in a group of 24 in high school. Mm. Now you're around 36, 37 other alphas. Mm. And they don't like, they're your teammate. They care, but they don't really care that this workout's hard for you. They're trying to crush and they're trying to, they're trying to anoint themselves in whatever role they think they can aspire to be. So, um, I think you, you, you do try to find those like mindsets and, and that ability to be, as we always say in our program, that, that guy that's normal, that kind of gets it that you think will develop. But I do still think it's a little bit hard. You're still sometimes sifting through, like, am I getting, is that really what this guy is going to be when it gets hard? That's what you don't know. Mm.
0: That's so interesting. You bring up that recruit who doesn't even want to talk about anything else because I, I mean, I, I was pretty much that guy in a sense, like I I tried to be well-rounded, you know, and like sociable and, you know, I'm not going to like just shun everybody because they don't help me with baseball. But then I got to pro ball and it was like, oh, you can't be thinking about this all the time. You're literally going to like go cuckoo. Like you need to, you know, separate yourself a little bit. Hence the birth of podcasting for me, but it's a fine line, right? Like, because there's being well-rounded and then there's getting distracted and then, you know, your priorities are not aligned with what the program is trying to give you in college, at least for kids that are transitioning from high school to college. Would you say that's like the biggest adjustment, like from high school to college is kind of just realizing like the level of commitment that that it is?
1: Oh, and uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean yeah, yeah. it's funny your point and this may be a little off but I, I still think it's an interesting story I don't know if you Please. Carmen Majewski. he was the first rounder for the Pirates back in 20 okay had a Carolina 18 to 20 huge strapping kid 6'3 232 pounds you know up to 98 um mm. he got over two million dollars like I mean he's a prospect yeah and but Carmen um kind of created this um he's a great worker amazing kid like just an awesome person just from right outside of like he's from hilton head so got that like okay, yeah guy feel but he's this big strapping dude but he like in college early on he wouldn't have a tv he he would just listen to music he'd work out three plus hours a day he'd go to the facility in the middle of the night he would just study the analytic it was like a, a lot yeah and like a mad um, scientist. A little bit. Yeah. And we used to have debates when he was a freshman. I'd be like, hey, Carmen, like, I'll get you this info. But like, I don't know. Like, I just need you to be you. Right? Like, Hmm. because he could, he would emulate Corey Kluber. Like, there were so many things he would do. Yeah, he's sort of obsessed. So I I bring that up, not as a diss. It's a it's a great quality, but we tried to like help him like corral it. And as he went through college, and, and what happened was he went to the Cape, he actually got hurt in 19 broke his foot. Miss like basically the whole year goes Mm. to the Cape. He's the best pitcher up in the Cape becomes like a dude, you know, in the baseball world. Yeah. And he just, he started hanging around his teammates in a different way. He let loose a little bit. He didn't like obsess over everything. And therefore he became a better pitcher. I think got himself Mm. into this unique stratosphere that he became as a guy who, you know, was drafted where he was. And so, and I think, you know, from everything he says to people who I know that know him, like he's continued to have a little bit. It's not that he doesn't care. He cares as much as anybody I've ever met, but like you said, he was able to disassociate at times and be like, Hey man, it's, it's 11 o'clock two days after I pitched. If I want to go swing golf clubs for two hours, it's not going to affect me making the big leagues. Right. Yeah. And like having that ability, you know, it's like the old, like, person on their you know special diet and they're like well i I can't have that burger yeah really right like and i get it like but you also go you can you can do it Mm -hmm. and and so i think that's where you want guys to have that obsession you you want to be able to have to as a coach or i say sometimes as a teammate or friend or whatever you much rather have to tone them down than turn them up the guys you have to turn up they rarely survive the guys you have to tone down mm. it's fun to tell the stories about how obsessed they were yeah but you 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 get excited when they get to their point you know and it's like mm-hmm. even i know like everyone likes and you know they talk about kobe a lot of times he's kind of that kobe his mindset and things of that mm-hmm. nature but like that developed that was actually not always kind of his thing right yeah and then he even redeveloped a little bit at the end and how he dealt with people and how people thought of him and obviously unfortunately with him passing it was even more different but my but just like the way he was able to have and develop relationships changed because Mm -hmm. he altered too and so I think just it's just like his people right we all know people that kind of you know change kind of how they are and and things that nature And so I think it's important for a player but if those guys coming in out of high school or whatever are not obsessed in some way with this game, with baseball, they get exposed. <laughs> they just do and you know it. You see yeah. guys, you know teammates, yeah. you get exposed eventually.
0: So would you say like the mental side of it can almost be more impactful than the physical in terms of when you're recruiting a player? I Actually, think it's that's close. a bit of a, it's a bit of a leading question. I kind of want to ask it- where you gauge the two sort of like how you juggle them both
1: no it's <laughs> it's uh it, it, it's a scale I mean it really is it's like hey you know if you're a little bit laissez-faire and a little whatever like okay but the talent's so much here right but maybe you have that guy that's just the grinder and winner and football mm. and captain and yeah he doesn't run a 6-6 but gosh he just I think he plays like that and the mm. character is this, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm cool with it.
2: Mm.
1: I, I, you know, doesn't mean you're gonna be right on all those, but you have to trust your gut. I mean, look, you gotta have some sort of talent. Even people that don't have quote like high end talent, they maybe have a talent, right? Like maybe mm. they're a lefty with action on the ball, or they're a, a out of shape guy, but they can just hit, right? Like they have, they're blessed with a talent. Um, but good gosh, that that mental side those who those who kind of lose it and they can lose their way and they don't have self-belief i i my line i say this a lot probably as a head coach to be honest with you more than i even did as an assistant but i i've told some players this i've said this in the last 18 months of guys i go hey man it's a real problem for you if the head coach believes in you more than you believe in yourself Hmm. and if you think about it like i mean and i'm not i didn't create that phrase i'm sure it's been said before but Sure. I I cannot believe in you going to have more success than you believe. If that is the case, we will not long-term be successful. That's just a fact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Does that um, kind of pour into the day-to-day inner workings of your guys' practices and scrimmages, or is it a little bit more like, okay, we're going to we're going to separate this from like the practice and the scrimmages. You're going to work on the mental side in this, whatever it is, 15, 30 minute increment, you know, so it's like kind of separate.
1: That, no, that's a great question. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like if we, uh, you know, when we lay out, like I got my calendar here, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. this has all this nonsense on it. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, when we practice from two to four today, we're going to have this 20 minute mental session in practice. We do not do that. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm great buddies with Alan Jagger. I love Alan, one of the greatest. I I couldn't lead a meditation. I'm not able to do it. I'm too ADD. I I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I'd be faking it, right? And yeah, I but Alan you. can do it. He's am- and he's amazing at doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and so for for us, what we do in our program, and I I'm I'm an open book. I will say we try to do a PowerPoint once a week that there's a lot of um, we call it just like reassurance or promoting mm-hmm. something. So like last Friday we did basically like it's, it was basically identity day. So I showed like four different pitches from four different, uh, different guys, just throwing their best pitch to get a strikeout. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I showed hitters and leverage count, hitting a bomb, another one and hitting a leverage count a bomb, another guy on a two strike going bases loaded, triple down the right field line. Uh, we showed base running, like believing we were, I was pitching a SIM game and we had a guy get a dirt ball, like in a SIM game, like, that doesn't, that means you're locked in though. Yeah. Um, and then we showed a collection of double plays and then we broke down why each double play in this sim game the other day was so impactful because we're not in full fledged team practice yet. So that's what we have, but it was just, that's, I, it's our identity day, but it's also reassuring and showing guys. It, 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 I think it helps their self-confidence, right?
2: Hmm. I would have
1: loved as a player and I love my time in college and I had two coaches who I, you know, I think are great guys, but I would love every week to be like, "Hey, is my am I going to be on that highlight? Like, are they oh, show? Oh yeah, that would jack me up. Yes, right. Don't mm. get me wrong. On the end of every highlight is a low light, right? But, yep. but at the same time, like, I think I would yearn for that. And so, I'll give you a great example. I don't know how much you, you know, have dug into to Troy baseball and, and things of that nature, but I'll, I'll. This is, if nothing else, is the best example I could give to you to what we do mentally. Okay. So when we got here, okay, um, we knew that maybe our first year we were not going to be blessed with a large collection of stuff pitching-wise. Um,
2: hmm.
1: uh, it just, okay, that's not 95, 98 like I just had a month ago at South Carolina, right? Like it wasn't hard to tell. Sure. But one of the things I felt like was we had enough guys who had some feel for the breaking ball, and there was the makings of them maybe being good. So. I had said early on, and I didn't want to be disrespectful, but I'm like, guys, we are going to have to be able to throw off speed at the most elite level. We have to develop it. It's the most important thing in your world, right? Everyone mm-hmm. says fastball command. And, and and I, deep down when I'm being honest, I, I still think throwing a fastball is important. So that's, please don't okay. take it that, that that's not important, but yeah, I needed our guys to believe that their only chance of survival was throwing good off speed. So one of the things we did, we're blessed here. We have all the analytics, TrackMan, Rapsodo, true TrueMedia, etc. I had told, um, you know, with the help of some of our other coaches, we were, we were developing a, like, a recruiting page, and it basically became an analytics thing because we had a guy on our staff who actually the Braves hired away, uh, mm. one of my GAs named Landon Langston. We basically developed this Troy baseball analytics page. Mm. Well, our thought was, okay, how can we, like, make this good for our guys? And so we started just – trying to come up with ways to value the breaking ball. Right. So we came up with a thing called whammy Wednesday. If you were to go to this page, mm. it's one of So I call a good breaking ball a whammy. I, I don't say, Hey, nice breaking ball. We call it a whammy, but it's a mental thing. Like you want to have a whammy, a whammer, a yeah. hammer. like you're hunting. I don't it. call it a breaking ball. I don't call it a slider. I say, I want you to have a whammer. Mm. Well, it kind of stuck and it became a mentality. For our guys. And so they wanted to get on the Wednesday at noon when we would put out our Whammy Wednesday every week. It mm. became this thing, and our guys did it and executed it well. And so, full circle, uh, I had a guy who pitched for me, was drafted by the Cubs, worked at Cressy, who I hired my first year named Riley McCauley. Mm. And uh, Riley now, he got hired after his first year with us by the Phillies. And Anyways, he had called a guy uh, that he played, played with, and the guy had been just struggling. So he's just checking in, right. Just as I'm sure you know how it is, man. there's going to be dog days of every professional season, especially for a pitcher.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He called the guy and it's like, man, what are you, what are you doing? What's, what's different? What, 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 and the guy said, man, I got this performance guy. I'm paying some money to, you know, some pretty good money, mm-hmm. but I just, I feel like he's really helping me maybe get that edge. Okay. So. Hmm the guy had been struggling. You'll love this. The guy's struggling with his breaking ball and the guy who's paying a lot of money said, you know what you got to do? You just need to name your breaking ball. You need to, you know what? You need to just call it a whammy or a whammer just to, Oh my gosh. And I was like, we, me and Riley, (laughs) we laughed so hard because we're like, well, Hey, our guys are getting it for free. And so, and, and it was just one of those things where, it resonated for us. We believed in it and the guys believed in it and it and it went really well. Um, so I know it's a long way of answering, but that's how we get, that's what we try to do mentally. We're not going to beat you down in our program. Are we going to hold you accountable? Of course, but we're trying to build you up. We try to show success. We try to show you why you have success. We try to show it as often as possible. And in the end, if you think that, sorry, nope, part of my, if you think you're a badass you'll be you'll be one a lot more often than you won't you know
0: mm-hmm. wow that's a great story and it kind of highlights this idea that I'm having where in order to build mental toughness you kind of have to like break them down and then build them up but I find that the breaking down part can be a little bit less valuable for players at times whereas you know maybe they're not doing well with their breaking ball and it's like as simple as literally naming it just incentivizes them just to say like okay i'm working towards something i'm building towards being a consistent whammy thrower like it's just a little thing to just incentivize performance that makes what sounds like a world of a difference now do you guys put that on twitter because i've definitely seen some of your guys like little highlight clips on we do
1: we do yeah every Wednesday okay. we uh we put that out we we have I won't say the picture just because it's a new thing but we <laughs> all of our coaches and players I'm sure they laugh at some of the outrageous things that I think important. but we have one of our guys he was developing a curveball like he just was gonna start throwing a little spike a little dewdrop. drop mm. and so I was trying to describe to him like how to do it and I basically said I just want you to think of it being a whistle so it's like and so ah. now every time before he throws one now we'll not do it in the season. Cause that would tip it off. But I just whistle before he throws them as a, uh, as a reminder of what it needs to be wow. for him. And it's become this thing, our guys crack up, but it's worked and it's become a better pitch. So I don't really care how I look, how we look as coaches, how we look as a staff, like we'll do anything hmm. and everything to get performance as long as it's within the rules we're going to do.
0: That's awesome. That's like, <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard like Pavlov's dogs. That's like a classical, or I think it's yeah. classical conditioning. It's like a little bit of classical conditioning. Like yeah. the sound, throw the good breaking ball. Like that's pretty yeah. funny. I've literally never thought of that concept once to apply it to baseball. Oh my gosh. Um, I love that though. That's, I've never heard anything like that. Um, okay. So, wow. That was, you're you just keep coming with stories, don't you? I, you?
1: I got a couple up my sleeve. That's time good. Time.
0: Well, okay. So I guess, all right, act about the mental side. I mean, can we, can we talk about, you know, uh, just how the team looks right now, just kind of shifting gears in terms of what you're seeing from the team, kind of how the team is forming their identity or how you like to help them form their own identity, because obviously it's a player led program. It's not, it's not all you guys, you know, they got to go out there and play. So the identity formation part is so important in college baseball. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, and it's funny when I was at Michigan State, I was fortunate enough. Like Coach Izzo would come around a lot, and and he said this line in the media, but it, he said mm-hmm. it to us one time, just myself, Coach Boss, and some other. He was like, "Hey guys, in the end, the only teams that are great are are, are player led, not coach led." Yeah, and and I do think that is certainly fair. You know, I, I think you have to have somebody leading the charge. Uh, of strategically how you get to those. But I think mm. his comment was totally true, you know? And, and so, you know, I think with our team, we're fortunate we have some older guys mm-hmm. who are just tremendous leaders, uh, tremendous, like unicorns and what they are about and how they serve their, their team. Um, so I like our group. We had to, we, we definitely have a lot of new pieces. You know, we have mm. 39 on our roster. We're still able to to be at 40 because we have some of the COVID, that last year with the COVID stuff. Well, it could be last year. We'll see when they vote on all this stuff. That's, that's a whole nother topic.
3: Um,
1: But that being said, we have 39 guys and uh, you know, we were actually going through it in a little staff meeting before it's funny. I mean, I I really feel like about 88, 90% of our guys are in a good spot,
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, which I think is probably a lot higher than you maybe think. And, And that doesn't mean when we go into team practice this week, in the scrimmages things won't rear their head you know a guy chasing breaking balls a guy not turning the double play a pitcher struggling with you know commanding a certain pitch in the game i I know that may happen Mm -hmm. but i do feel like mentally physically uh to this point performance wise we're in we're in a good spot our team's a lot more athletic this year Mm. um Last year, we just weren't very athletic. I've, I've said this to multiple people, and it's the only way I can describe the difference in talent in, in, in terms of where we are. And our guys last year, they they had balls. They were tough. Like, I, I couldn't have asked another thing from our group. Hmm. But just in terms of pure talent and the guys and pieces we've added, look, we added a lot of pieces. We better have added talent. That's what I've told people. It's like, well, we brought in a lot of guys. Like, <laughs> they better be good, right? Yeah. But last fall, we had, like, four guys running under six nine. We had 15 this fall. Last fall, we only had three guys hit 92 or above in the fall. This fall, we had 14. Does that make us great? No, it doesn't mean anything. But at least mm. is a, it's a tangible way to go, okay, we have pieces. Mm. Now we have to make sure we develop them. And so, you know, it does circle a little bit back to your point, though. One thing we've really tried to harp hard is like how important things you may not even think may not get you excited how important those things are going to be it's not just hey i need to throw harder or hey i gotta i hit the ball 110 i want to hit a 113 like no like we need to be great at handling the pressure of a big situation yeah um, we need to be great at i know this is small but dirt balls we need to be great at exposing a guy the first time he goes one six to home we know he's gonna do it we have the balls to know when he does it we're going we're not waiting Mm. it's first and third one out this guy's going to be slow go to second the first pitch and then we're going to get a little flip into the outfield. we're going to score two runs not one like that's what we need to be so the identity of that you can promote it and you can tell the guys but you have to see them do it and if they don't do it we're trying to make sure that they're accountable hey it's not all roses right we had a, a practice saturday they pitchers we went out there they stuffed it was fastballs commanded it was whammers change-ups were good it was domination a couple guys had some good at bats good swings whatever but we we also because it was really quick we had defense out there we were brutal on defense now why hmm. would that be some guys who maybe aren't yet in the starting role maybe that's why so okay we could say well they, that doesn't matter no everyone matters because you you never know when your are when your time's gonna come and so what yeah. also happened on Saturday here in Troy Alabama a little bit of drizzle a little cooler for us 51's cold we're soft right like <laughs> and 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 I joke with our guys I, I guess we're just I guess we're just a little soft today right uh, hey, yeah hey it was brutal but we were able to play and we play on turf we're gonna play in it too so rather than beat them down I'm just gonna go hey Do we think that we optimized our toughness and our ability to prepare and perform today? You know, Mm -hmm. the answer. So I'm not mad. I don't think that it was a lack of of effort. I just think we have to be better at it. So the next time it's drizzling and you think, are we going to start practice? Hell yeah. We're going to start practice and we're going to go right to those things. We're going to make a couple of important double plays. We're going to get you a little ball in the hole that's been rolling in the, on the turf and it's wet, or we're going to hit the highest pop-up ever where your eyes have to look up into the rain and the mist, and I still got to just catch the ball. That's what we're going to do. And when you mm. do it, you'll know, you know what, maybe my maybe my approach or my confidence in this weather wasn't as good as it was on January 21st when we did that in practice.
3: Mm.
0: Do you like to lean on those older guys, maybe pull them aside, talk to them about, you know, in terms of the, the leadership aspect of it, pretty intangible part of the game?
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, we're fortunate – I've never actually – been a fan of this and I actually I named two captains this year um, I was gonna ask much, this is only my second year being a head coach but I and I just mean in general I've mm. never and maybe you get scarred I remember as a player um, in college we had a captain who got in like huge trouble right like lost his captainship during a season just messed up mm. you know just stuff that we all mess up in college right just and I remember thinking ah, that's the danger right you anoint somebody yeah. and then they mess up and then they lose it it's like that could be tough seasons. for everybody. Yeah, but I just we had two guys, and this is the players. We we give the players questionnaires at the end of the fall, and they okay. felt. Right? And so I felt it would be wrong of me to not really um, buy into their what they see and what they believe. Hmm. That being said, I think it's important to try to really branch the tentacles out of like little things, and so, you know, as small as. Two rehab guys who aren't throwing, they're on an off day and they're leaning on the fence and they're watching, I don't know, they're watching a freshman in the outfield and maybe I'm, go, I'm, I'm on him about something he's doing, right? Maybe he's not focused or he's not doing the, the drill the right way, or, or heck, maybe he's not retaining anything, which would certainly bother me, okay? Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's turning to those guys and saying, do you see what I'm seeing? Do you, are you watching?
3: Yes, yeah. sir. What do
1: you, what do you see? Uh, And a lot of times the players who are getting better or are focused at that level, they'll, they see exactly what you see. They'll go, coach, that's, that's not good enough. And it's not me talking. I would, I'm gonna, I'm about to go say the same thing to the player, right? It's not talking behind someone's back. It's actually creating a constant dialogue so that let's say that player goes, I can't believe coach was on me today about my catch play. It's where another guy can go, Hey man, first off, he only is going to be on you if he thinks you can be good. That's number one. So take the compliment.
2: Mm-hmm. Number
1: two, he's right. You threw. Do you think it's acceptable in 20 throws to throw it over the guy's head seven times? Do you think you were perf- optimizing your performance? Well, no. Then what's your defense, right? Yeah. But it can create this deal where also that guy on the side who's not even involved, maybe he can pull, go up to the guy and go, hey, when coach said those last three were really good dude, it's the best I've ever seen you throw. And now you got a teammate or a friend or a guy you want to be your friend saying you did something great. Mm. You did this. You did this the best I've ever seen. You think that guy's not going to walk back to his dorm or apartment or house and go, okay, I'm okay. I can, I can be moving.
3: Yeah. Right Right? direction. Right Right
1: direction. Yeah. And so we try to do that. You know, I never, I would never say something to a player that I would, I have not already said or wouldn't say to that person that we're speaking on. So a lot of times I want it to be that dialogue that, Hey man, we're really working on this with him. Do you, do you see that? Do you think it's getting better? Hmm. Just so everyone knows, I'm not asking Johnny to be worried about what Timmy's doing, but I do think if you watch other guys and it goes back to what we talked about, like watching pitching, dude, you're going to learn. You're going to learn yeah. things. You're going to see things that may click off for you. You know, I mean, I, I don't, you may, I, I don't, I know, you know, we were talking about your arsenal, right. Mm. But like, I don't know in your career, have you ever just started throwing a pitch because a guy said, Hey, this is how I throw it. Do you ever try this? Did, has that happened to you before?
0: I've definitely experimented with grips because someone said I throw it with this grip and I have success with it. Yeah. So I thought, okay, maybe I can too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I,
0: definitely possible.
1: So I missed two years. I got hurt. I had my shoulder reconstructed in college. Okay. Mm. And I'll never forget. I had a teammate named Jason Huber. And uh I'll never forget. He came up to me and he goes, and he was a he was a negative guy, but he was such a good friend. But it was like he was that guy that when you got hurt, he would be like, Hey man, it's not good. Like he would, he'd almost like you'd be like, <laughs> well, dude, what the? Just brutally honest. Goes, yeah. I'll never forget. So I had, I ended up having shoulder surgery in early, uh, Oh five. Okay. After okay. like our six weeks. So I had it all reconstructed. So mm. I missed two years. Don't come back till seven, but I'll never forget. Jason one time came up to me and I was probably a year in, you know, and I didn't get back till 22 months, but he says, Hey, you know, wow. you know, you're not going to throw hard anymore. Um, that's a fact, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh
0: Thanks. my God. Right?
1: Like,
3: you know, like, this guy's
1: a friend. But I remember him going, hey, you know, you got really good feel, though. You know what you should do since you're not going to throw hard anymore? You should throw a 12-6 curveball. And I had never thrown a 12-6. He said, hmm. hey, no, try try this grip, spike your finger, and then just rip the front of it. You, I know you can do it because you got feel. You should do it. It'll be a good pitch for you to get back since you're not going to throw hard. And <laughs> I was like, okay, flash yeah. forward. That was the only year of my career I threw that pitch, right? And I didn't throw hard. He was right on that. But that pitch, which was I mean, people still laugh about it, heck Coach Mac and Coach Lamonis, they still laugh about the highlight videos of me throwing 62 mile an hour curveballs, but it was a pitch I never gave up a hit on throughout the year. Wow. And I go, Isn't it funny that this guy really helped me more than I could ever believe? I would have never had probably half the success mm-hmm. that we myself individually and our team was able to have in oh seven if it wasn't for this guy just throwing this out there and he was actually being honest with me as a teammate like dude you're not gonna you're not gonna throw in the upper 80s anymore like it's not gonna happen your shoulder that's not how it works I had shoulder surgery it's not gonna happen Hmm. I could have been like he's being a prick or I I, thankfully I go I mean I guess I'll try it I mean why not and it became a huge part of what I did my last year as a player and so my hope is our team, our, our team and guys within our team get to have similar stories because they're able to communicate with each other well enough to have something like that happen that ends up leading to success. And I, hmm. I, I, was, I was told it would probably be 17 years ago. I still can talk about it. I could tell that story 17 years. I could tell it another 17 years because I remember it. It, it. I still throw it now. When I throw sim games and I throw it, guys go, man, you really throw that. P-. It's funny. I didn't throw that pitch ever. had a teammate tell me to do it because he thought it would help me I never threw one until I was 22 years old so yeah um you know I I don't know that's what I hope for our our players is they get to have stories like that and in the end I think you know not to talk about like playing career because I'm well past that now but like I do think when you look back I was fortunate enough to play on a team that played in Omaha I Mm. you really look now deep into it I'm not talking about like talent you just look at go we probably did it because we were really tough and we were great teammates and we just got after it. Like not anything else, like nobody did anything that was unicorn,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: everyone, you go, wow, we were a really connected team. And, and that's mm-hmm. what I want as a coach. I obviously, I need talent, right? But I need it even more important. I need a connected team. If you're connected and everybody's cohesive, then we'll maximize whatever that is that we're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, I've said this before. I'd want a 70-grade team chemistry and a 40-talent than a, you know, 70-grade talent, 40-grade team chemistry team any day of the week. I was going to ask, too, about uh, if there's anything in your playing career, maybe specifically in college, uh, that kind of, like, shaped how you coach today. It sounds like that's kind of it, like that team that went to Omaha.
1: There was that, and then I I had a unique college experience. I mean, I was a two-way player for about two and a half years of it. Mm-hmm. um Then I had become my junior year. I'd become a weekend guy, and they were like, "You're throwing on set every Saturday. Like, we're not going to let you do it anymore." And I was, of course, mad about that because I wanted to play. Yeah. And then I ended up getting hurt after. or I was hurt, anyways, but I I made it to six weeks, and then it's like, "Yep, this thing's not in sock anymore. We're done." You know. Yeah. Um. But you know, I had four pitching coaches in college. I was in college for five years. I had four pitching coaches. I had two head coaches. Uh. A, so. I think my my experience was probably about as unique as anybody. Uh, I, now I only went to one school. I only went to the university. Of Louisville, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I went to Louisville Ballard High School, mm. you know, um, but I think just seeing different things that I liked, maybe I didn't like, I do think all of those shaped me, uh, especially early as a coach. I just I said, you know, I'm never going to put on an act. And I don't mean that all the coaches I had put on an act. That is not my point. But I just like, Mm. whatever I do, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be me. And I can tell you this. And you could ask any player, if you talk to players for 16 years of this, I'm not any different. I, you know, the things that you probably laugh about, about how confident I am, or if someone even said you're egotistical and something that hasn't changed but also my communication and my care for players that hasn't mm. changed either. I yeah. think my energy, I still sprint around practice. Heck I made today. I hope it's nice. It's gonna be 60 and sunny again. Like it always is here in Troy. I'm hoping to get out there and shag and catch a couple fly balls today. That's what I like to do when I watch our hitters. Cause it's a great perspective yeah. in center field. I'm not going to change that. Like, mm. because that's, that's who, who I am. So, I think I saw all these different coaches and different ideas and different ways about go, you know, getting to what you hope is the same ends. And I think I probably took parts of all of that. Mm. But then I also, I think had the the blinder to say, I'm not going to change because a lot of people, you know, year and a half ago, every person that would call you, you know, especially if it's a head coach, they'd be like, don't change. Don't, mm. don't act like a head coach, Just be, be who you are, be yourself. Yeah. You have to, speak to the group or do press or whatever this, you know, head coach things you have to do, but like, Mm. don't change why you're in the position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I know if nothing else I've done that and that's why like I can live with the results of anything that happens both tomorrow, the next year, the next five, the next 10, I do know that I'm not going to change that. Mm. I will not change that because that's just not in my DNA. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I think, yeah, are there certain things daily that you probably, you know, I call another coach and go, Hey, what do you got on this? Yeah, of course. That, but that's an idea. That's hmm. not who innately you are. And then yeah. I think the difference
0: was coaching always in your DNA. Did you know you always wanted to be a coach?
1: I got nicknamed in high school at 14 years old. My nickname was coach Mead.
0: Oh, wow.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, so you knew, I, I'll give you the quick, we were running a bunt defense. Uh, I'm playing first base mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't agree with the bunt defense. So I said, Hey, and I looked over and I wanted to change the play. And they said, no. And I said, okay. And then I did it the way I wanted and I sprinted up barehanded it through the guy out a third. And they mm-hmm. said, what are you doing? And I said, well, if we did it the other way, it would have been easier, but I still got him out by two feet. I could have had him out by eight, and they said, "Okay, Coach Meade, you run the whole thing." And I said, "Well, okay. oh my gosh!" And it was, and it was great banter, but it stuck. Mm. Um, And so, and I, and even there, I think those co- those coach, I had such a great. I mean, my high school. I played with multiple big leaguers, first round pick. Mm. Our whole team was a division. I mean, it you know very so very you. good high school. And, and it was a good high school program because we had great coaches. We had like six guys that could be head coaches, you know, mm. um, just great people. You know, the Ted Browns, the Scott Geisers, Mike Paisley, you know, Doug Hat, like all these guys. Well, yeah. and Doug Hat was the head coach, but like they were all really, really good. And I think that spilled over to us as players, and I do think that shaped me more than I probably even realize mm. now like just in terms of some things and the way we go about it. But yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to coach like anybody. I wanted to, to play, of mm-hmm. course, but I knew eventually that's what I want to do. You know, you go through this phase and hopefully for you, it's a long time from now. Like you're out of, you know, baseball for a long time, but like you'll go through a moment in life where you go, mm-hmm. all right, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. You know, for me, it,
3: yeah, you
1: know, yeah, maybe I'll go real estate. I, I, I could, I could, maybe i'm gonna go into acting Mm -hmm. maybe i'm gonna go and you go no 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 (laughs) that i could do that but this is what i want to do yeah and so yeah i you know as long as you stay true to what you really want to do i think you find yourself at the right spot
0: that's so funny i was really gonna ask like if it wasn't coaching like what you think you'd be doing at this point in time but it sounds like you guys answered it
1: uh storm chasing i'm obsessed with tornadoes so storm chasing acting, real estate. And then the other one that I, I looked into was being a lawyer, which I, I make sure to tell our, I, or I'm looking at, I'd have to go to law school. And obviously that would be a yeah. process, but that's what I want to do. That's what I tell many of our guys. When we debate something, I say, I didn't go to law school, but I'm about to own you in, in, in the court of baseball law. right
0: now, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have um, like a, I know it's tough because we Sounds like you really enjoy yourself at Troy. But do you have like a favorite aspect of, about Troy University that you like just being at that school?
1: Well, there, there's certainly a lot to like. How, I mean, we we have one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever seen. Um, it is so, pretty. And what's I'll tell you what's interesting about Troy. Like, so we have um, we've had a chancellor. He and his wife have been here for 35 years. They've kind of like mm-hmm. basically. I'm not saying they tangibly did this 35 years ago, but like, it's like they had this vision for like what. Troy's gonna become because it wasn't that it was a you know it was in division two baseball 35 years ago it was you know it wasn't in d1 football like it, it and so mm. from a athletics from a university from a facility like all the things that go into a university mm. it's like they had this vision and they've accomplished it I mean it's they're like real visionaries like you know the Hawkins family like what they've done is really really cool and then What I, but what I really like about Troy, like it is a, it is a, it's a sports town. I mean, everything does revolve through Troy, but it is a baseball town. Hmm. And, and so when you go places, people know what's going on. Like when I go to my kid's basketball game, Hmm. I mean, and I don't mean this egotistically by any means, I'm going to have someone come up and ask about the team. Like, I think that's really, really cool. And I've used this example go to a school in a huge city, huge metropolitan, sometimes that can be tough, right? Yeah. Right? I'm sure you probably went through that a little bit. If you walk downtown, you know, New Orleans, does someone know you just went out and shoved against, you know, Cincinnati on Saturday, right? Like, (laughs) maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I use that, to me, I think that's really, really cool that, like, Mm -hmm. this is the ticket in town. Like, right outside my window, like, that's the ticket in town. And people... People know what's going on. And so, you know, we use that in recruiting too, uh, especially if someone's fortunate enough to come to a game uh, here. And and so I really do love that part. Uh, and I think a lot of that too just coincides. There's just good people here. Mm. Troy's just a it's, a, it's a good like melting pot of society. It's a, it's a, it's a good melting pot of people. Um, I have young kids. They, they really like it. Like every, mm. they, they vibe. My wife likes it. Uh, my dad moved here. My dad lived in Louisville, Kentucky for six, four years. He moved down here nine months
2: wow. ago.
1: Um, so like we're in, like, yeah. you know, I, I love it. Like I I, don't have any any complaints uh, about Troy. And it's, it was, it doesn't always work this way, but like you have this vision. If you're, you know, I always want to be a head coach, but I was never head coach crazy. Like I'm going to jump at the first thing, like even if it's not a fit, you could if you could really pin it down and go realistic options, location, um, opportunity for success, facility like athletic director, president for us, a cha- chancellor. Like if you just took a a thing and said, what could be the best gig for you? This would be it. I'm just telling you, wow. like there was not a better fit for me. At, you know, a year and a half ago at 36 to go that this is the place, hmm. and so I'm very glad that and it's what we thought when we when we got here but i'm glad that that is that reality is it gets more true every single day and we're a year and a half into it
0: i've got two questions left for you because i know you have to go soon um but the first one is if you go back in time tell your young first year coaching self any advice uh to help you get to where you are today what do you think that would be So
1: i was 22 when i started i, mm-hmm. I I do think that and I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect on it but like sometimes you just gotta like I do maybe not openly live and die with every pitch but like I feel like every pitch is like the most important the next pitch is the most important and I know that's like a cliche like we all hear right like in my own head I'm thinking this fastball land we have Got to throw this fastball, and it's got to be where it's. It's got to be here. It's got to be above the belt. We got to throw it here. This is most, of, and if mm-hmm. they don't, I'm not. Gonna, I'm going not yelling at the pitcher, but I'm like, oh my god, we can't. You can't throw the fastball in there. I mean, I guess should we go back to it? Like I think all yeah. these crazy, and sometimes you just got to go. All right, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And so I know I've gotten better about that, but at 22, I mean, I'm like because you're putting in all this effort to get that guy to do exactly the things that you're trying to, to get done. And so Mm. I I think I would tell myself to sometimes just go, Hey, the game will happen. Like it'll happen. You Mm. still make your calls. You still do your thing, but like it's going to happen. And so I'm attempting to always be better about that. Um, Mm. But I haven't, I'm not having any less fun. I have more fun. Like, yeah, I remember 22, like I was a pitching coach at Eastern Illinois and, I got players that are like we're the same age, you know, and yeah, wow, and 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 that's a whole another layer. But like I, I was having fun then, and I'm having even more fun now.
0: To tie it into basketball, like you did earlier, the best shooters have short term memory. That's something that I always thought about because I played growing up too, and I'm just like, yeah. yeah, I'm a good shooter. I never think about the shot that I just had before. Like I'm always thinking no, about well, the next one. Now. Yeah,
1: we use well, our players get tired, but we use we. <laughs> They probably if, if you asked in person, because I use a lot of basketball analogies. Now yeah. my university is absolutely pathetic in basketball right now. So don't ask about local basketball. Yes, we're two and seventeen. It's not good. <laughs> but um, yeah. we talk a lot about like, you know, sometimes like, hey, you have to have a little discipline to correct yourself. Like if mm-hmm. I shoot five straight shots short in basketball, do I need somebody to come over and go, Hey Jack, hey, you you know you missed a short, you should probably like shoot it longer.
0: Yeah. Like, like you, you look at the guy
1: like he's an alien, right? But yeah. sometimes in baseball, we always want someone to save us. And I I, you know, I, try to tell guys, hey, man, we're all here to help you, but we're here to help you, not save you. And if you don't know mm-hmm. that throwing the ball up in the zone 12 pitches in a row is bad, and you don't miss one down, what can we do for you? Because if we were playing basketball, I bet you would do it. Oh, yeah. But I bet you would.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so much easier basketball, though I I mean, like, that's how I feel, but okay. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, okay, we can get to the last question. I know you got to go. So um, I ask every coach about most memorable recruiting visits. Now, this can be like a player coming to visit your school. This could be you going out on the recruiting trails, you know, the traveling. Um, just like a funny story that you might have uh, in your time as a coach so far.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Man, I'm trying to – there's certainly – it can be great by the way
0: it can be funny great like a success story it can be just a train wreck it can be embarrassing for yourself or the player it could be anything really
1: yeah there's a there's a i I will give you i will give you one that i think people might appreciate uh, at least coaches will appreciate more Mm. so we're all out of our minds and we watch games sometimes in the summer especially at lake point to like two three in the morning okay yeah. and we're all competitive and we're all stupid and we're like well who's gonna be the first one to tap out like if they're playing a game
2: mm.
1: why are we watching the game until three which i have done and i am not the only you could get another 50 coaches because they i saw them all there we, but i'll never <laughs> one night this is probably i think about six years ago and i won't you know say who the coach was but mm-hmm. we, it finally like it's 2 a.m like we got to Dude, let's just go walk to our cars. So I'm walking with another coach and he goes to his car, which is kind of in the front part. And I'm walking towards mine, but I kind of don't really remember where I parked.
2: Hmm.
1: And then I had seen another coach in front and, uh, I had hit my button to unlock my car. <laughs> and as I walk up, there's still some other cars in the lot. And I look and I kind of get jolted. I see someone sitting in my car, but I see them like, they got some stuff in their hand and they're kind of looking around. And I said, Hey, and the guy goes, this isn't, dude, I'm too tired. I don't even know what's going on. And it, the coach thought it was his car. He was sitting in the car, but the keys wouldn't work. And he was confused and he was like, oh drunk. he was like 17 hours at Lake point. Right. It's 2am. He just wants to get in his car. And I'm like, what? I'm laughing. He's laughing. And I'm like, do you need help getting your car? He's like, no, I'll figure it out. I just, <laughs> and I'm just going, this is what we're doing. We're so uh... dumb. We're sitting here for 17 hours watching baseball. And this guy, who's a high level coach at a power five school, he he can't even remember what his car is, you know?
3: Oh, and man. so,
1: I mean, there's a lot of them. I think a lot of them revolve around some of the crazy things that we do to try to watch players or things that happen. But I don't mm-hmm. know, that one always cracks me up because I think it's indicative of, the probably the competitiveness that we all have in this game but also that like you said there's a lot of hilarious stories or, or things that that you know transpire that I mean it, it's like my first head coach Jim Schmitz he always said he's going to write a book and everyone would laugh him and I always say now you should write a book Every people would read the outrageous stories
3: mm, yeah. that go
1: on with recruiting trips or things that happen and I mean, it, it's amazing. I, I remember a kid in middle Tennessee. He met a girl on a visit and like, he ends up committing to us probably solely because of that. He ended up getting married to oh. her. They have multiple kids, right? Like, wow. and I remember him like, and I remember going, is this kid really obsessing over a girl he met 12 hours ago? Like, really? Like, is that what this guy is? And then you end up going, no, like he just, he knew. And that's so, crazy. yeah, like, that's another there's, good
0: there's, one. Jeez. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. I, well, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about that one. I just saw a picture of him yesterday on, on, uh, on IG and it, it made me think of it. And so, I mean, gosh, there's, there's so many, but that guy in my car at 2 AM and him being so confused that mm-hmm. that always resonates A pretty good one for me.
0: That's a good one. Oh my gosh. But yeah, people don't know. They really don't know about the stories, the stuff that you guys really do, at least not except for you guys, obviously, you know, um, Wow. That was a good story though. I really like that. You're going to have to hop on again, honestly, because you just talked about Instagram. We didn't even dive into the whole social media thing. I mean, (laughs) like, yeah, there's so much more we can talk about, but, um, that's all I have for you, at least for today. Um, I guess if you just want to give any, like kind of like a sign-off for, you know, from Troy baseball to the listeners, um, you know, maybe for players who are interested in the school, parents who, you know, are interested in, their kids going to Troy?
1: Well, I tell you what, I mean, and, and not just in-house, our, we do a good job of promoting our product here. I mean, unfortunately, I'm looking right out the window at a $13.5 million project that's going to be ready in about four weeks,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which I think speaks volumes whenever you invest uh, as we do here at Troy, not just in baseball. I know that's selfish to, to myself and, and the people in, in the building I'm in now, but um, this place is a gem. That's what we want to be. We want to be the gem the gym of the South, the gym of college baseball, we're investing in doing that the way that we recruit. We know that we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, the, the things and the people that we have in place, I think will allow us to do that. And so uh, I hope that we can accomplish some of the things that, you know, some programs who have kind of paved the way ahead of us that are, you know, look, the Sun Belts either fourth or fifth best rated leagues, fourth best last year. We'll see where it's at this year. But there's 32 leagues in the country. It's one of the top five leagues. It's incredible baseball league,
2: the fun teams.
1: We add Southern Miss old dominion, James Madison, Marshall. I mean, it's a real league, Hmm. Um, you know, so for us and, and, you know, we're less than two hours from the water, right? Like from the ocean, you can get right there. I mean, Hey, if you just want to go have fun, you can do that too, but our climate's great. I mean, it's just, it's just a really special spot. Um, and everything that we say, we believe we're going to do. We know we're going to do it. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know when those chapters of the book are going to be written, but we know that we're going to get there because of the way that we're going to go about it. So Mm. obviously a zillion people are going to all have their hand and and be a part of it uh, when that happens. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited for our season uh, to go on, you know, I'm sure just like, you know, you're getting the itch you're getting it now as you get closer to pro ball like you get to that mode where you're just like i want to see what it's going to look like
2: mm-hmm. i
1: want to see who who steps up who's who's an alpha like we're kind of entering that phase and I'm, I'm i'm just really excited but we have good kids Our we're a fun team we'll be a fun team to watch um you know we're we're fortunate just like all of college baseball now right heck it's probably why in part we're having this conversation like college baseball is the biggest growing sport in college athletics, you know, what they make with TV, with Omaha, like it's, it's great. This is, this is the best time ever to be in college baseball. There are the things we need to improve. Yeah, of course. Uh, And those topics we could go down a whole rabbit hole with. Um, And I know we're not doing that today, but we have one of the greatest products in the world. Our Mm. NCAA tournament is probably as exciting as any now, if we're being honest, the things that happen, the level of talent, um, but, you know, we want to be one of those programs that people watch in June every year and say, Hey, I wonder they're going to, are they going to push through? Can they do it? And mm. they got this arm Man, you got to watch this player. He's, he's this, he's that. That's, that's what we want to be. Um, you know, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. There's programs who have done what we're aspiring to do already, but we want to do it and be consistent in it.
0: Mm. I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys. Oh my gosh, uh, I appreciate it. I'm gonna be following you all on Twitter too because I, I love those like little clips that you guys put up, but I'm definitely going to be yeah. following you guys on Twitter um, oh, that's oh, absolutely awesome.
1: well, I'm yeah. excited for you too man hopefully you do you do a great job in this. I appreciate you having having me on and uh, you know I think you got a couple of ventures you can go to in life it be <laughs>
0: hopefully right I mean hey but like you said, we're sticking with baseball baseball is baseball yes, is plan A very good that's plan hey, A
1: ride that thing into the ground first
0: absolutely um well scholar that is like i said that's all i have but yeah i mean i think you knocked it out of the park and
1: i appreciate um, it and i'll definitely if you ever want me on again i'll i would definitely do it i I love doing these kind of things they're they're fun especially when they do it as well as you and great questions oh come on back and forth no i'm telling you stop i'm telling you
0: Uh, i appreciate that a lot you don't know how much that (laughs) means that's that's the whole that's the whole point of this deal um but yeah i mean i guess um All I'll say for the listeners is just thanks for listening. You know, thanks for sticking with us. And yeah, I guess
3: uh, we'll see you next week.